0: We want to take a moment and thank you for visiting Cross Life with us today. We pray that this message will really reach out and touch you and that God will work through this message and let you hear what you need to hear. Good, I feel uh, So, gospel of John, chapter uh, number 10, finishing out verses 22 through 42. We're not going to uh, go verse by verse, kind of like we did last week. Um, just a lot to unpack in these 20 verses, but I feel like we will uh, get through it and, and we'll uh, take it as best as we can, uh, I just want to say how much I love you guys. I, I love my church. I don't know about you, um, it's just been a, a, a blessing. Like I, I'm thinking about the family meeting all all morning long. I've been thinking about uh, all week long about what God is doing uh, at Cross Life, and we've got three big items uh, that we're going to talk about after the service. And if you're not a member of Cross Life, we want you to stay anyway. Uh, we we want you to hear what God is doing. Uh, we want you to hear how God is moving and uh, what what is to be in store. Uh, so it is just a blessing uh, this week, just to say, man, I, I pastor a wonderful church family, and, and and I hope you say the same thing uh, that you have a, a wonderful pastor. <laughs> um, but but um, so quick fact uh, about Pastor Thomas: the Gospel of John uh, is is probably in my top five favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I, I love the Gospel of John. John had a a, a very close relationship with Jesus. If you, if you follow Jesus' ministry and you see him do ministry with his disciples, you will see that John is on the forefront of almost everything. And, and I don't know about you, but I strive to have a close relationship with my Lord. I strive every day. And I, and there's some days that I fail. There's some days that, that maybe I don't do as good as I should. Uh, but I strive every day to have that close relationship. So I've always said I want to be like John. Uh, I, I want to have that closeness to uh, my Jesus. And he was known for being close. Okay, he, he was known also for a different way of writing his gospel. If you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a lot of the stories are the same. But if you read through the Gospel of John, like there's, there's not hardly anything in, in the Gospel of John that's in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And so uh, I really encourage you when you're reading the Gospels, uh, read it from their from their eyes, and if you read the Gospel of John, you will see it in a totally different way. John writes in this kind of way that I I learned by uh, attending school and and just studying that that he writes behind the scenes. Okay, he he writes behind the scenes of this glimpse that uh, is, is taking place in his life. Uh, he's looking at his eyewitness uh, account, and the book was written in just a way that honestly. Wants you to be closer to Jesus. Like, it really wants you to be drawn through your reading. So you should feel invited uh, when reading through this gospel. Uh, when, when, when somebody gets saved, if I have a child get saved, or, or a student, or even an adult, I always tell them, start in the gospel of John. I've always said that. I, I remember as a little boy when I got saved, my dad gave me a Bible, uh, for me to realize, One of, a big boy Bible is what I called it. Uh, I got a big boy Bible and he said, I want you to start in the Gospel of John. And he said, every night I'm going to take you through a chapter and we're going to do it together. And so I remember that. And, and I remember getting to John 3.16 and understanding what that actually meant as a believer. Okay, And, and so today as we're going through this, I pray that as followers of Jesus, we call ourselves believers today, as followers of Jesus, this will only draw us closer in our relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're coming into it today and you've never read the whole gospel itself, this setup could be a little awkward today. Um, You walk into a passage that there's division going on. Uh, You walk into a passage where there's some people upset. Uh, you walk into a passage where we took care of half of the chapter last week. And so let me go back. I, I really want to go back and, 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 and help you out a little bit. Last week we discussed some truths about Jesus that we could see in this passage. We said that he was the true shepherd. Uh, we said that he was the protecting shepherd. And I, and I told you a little bit how as a pastor I have to protect myself. We said that he was the good shepherd that he was the, the global shepherd, like he's the worldwide shepherd, like he's not just for Cross Life Church, he's not just for the church down the road, that he is for everybody, that he wants everybody to be drawn into a relationship with him, and we said that he was the risen shepherd, and if it wasn't for him being the risen shepherd, we wouldn't be here today talking about it. So all of these things sum up who Jesus is, maybe in a nutshell. We could go all day on who Jesus really is to us. Maybe I could go through a whole entire series of messages throughout the whole entire year telling you about who Jesus is to me. But that kind of sums up maybe the first 21 verses of John 10. So there's this argument going on in John 10, and and Jesus is really rising in popularity. you got to think, the man's doing ministry, people are starting to follow him, people are starting to latch on, so the popularity thing... Uh, It's something that Jesus didn't want, but it just kind of started happening. Okay, And the ministry that he was doing, the miracles that he was performing, the things that he was doing as he was walking down the road talking to people, people are following him, and they're seeing things that he is doing. And this is one of the reasons why we sang that last song today, Great Things. I believe that great things are happening at Cross Life Church. Uh, And I believe greater things are yet to come. At Cross Life Church, we, we've had we've had some some good summer months. OK, I, I was talking to a group of church planters on Friday and and, and, and some of them were complaining <laughs> about uh, their summers at their churches. And I'm like, man, I can't I can't say nothing bad about our summer at Cross Life. Like you, you all have stayed uh, stayed focused. Uh, our our attendance has, has, has hardly dropped at all. Like God has done some good things through our church body. Uh, through the summertime. We, we've seen we've seen kids get saved at Bible school. Uh, we've seen a lot of ministry being done. Like we didn't stop because the summer months came to the church. And so there's great things that are taking place. And, and in Jesus' life at this point, maybe we could say there's some great things happening in his life as well. People are really wanting to see him for who he really is. But he says something to the whole crowd that kind of just stops them in their tracks. You ever had that moment before? Uh, maybe somebody says something that just makes you stop in the middle of everything. And he said this, you have to eat of my body and drink of my blood. That's what he says in, in the early parts of, of the Gospel of John. Like People are like, what does that mean? So what he's talking about is the communion end that, that we uh, have today, that you've got to eat of my body, you got to drink of my blood. And, and now, this wasn't that he was going to lose popularity, but if we can be honest for a second, we don't become Christian to be popular. Did anybody become Christian to be popular today? Like, that's not something that uh, that we do and that we, that we want to do. We, we don't become part of the church to become popular, Um. We, we don't wear cool t-shirts and fly nice bumper stickers and and post the occasional Facebook verse of the of the day to be popular hey uh, if anything I don't know about you but I can I can post the verse of the day and get no likes on it at all you know like but I can I can post a picture of my sweet little daughter and I get 120 but if I put a picture of me I don't get nothing you know like I, I don't know what's up with that but, but we don't do those things to, to be popular. And I would say, like, you know what a PR manager is, right? Like, the ones that go around all these, all these popular people. Like, to be the PR manager of Jesus would be very frustrating. Hey, think about it. The man is going from town to town, city to city every day, wearing shoe leather out. And one day everybody loves him, and the next day everybody hates him. You know, like, there is no in the middle with Jesus in this point in his life. Because he's going to say things that hurts people. And he's going to say things that are true and that are real. And that's what I love about Jesus' ministry. He constantly does things that sends crowds away from him. Because it makes the self-righteous upset. It was so bad that the argument lasts. That these people are in. It lasts for three chapters. Okay, With people upset with him and trying to. Kill him, but then we get to chapter ten where we're at today, and Jesus calls them out for being false shepherds. Okay, and and I think I think also John loves the book of Ezekiel because if you read through uh, the Gospel of John, there's like seven times where he references uh, the book of Ezekiel several times he does that. Ezekiel 34, he, he he mentions that and he talks about the false shepherds. We talked about that last week where, where John just pinpoints that in the chapter. And what Jesus does with these religious leaders in John 10 is he, he talks to them in a way like you may call yourselves followers, but you're not. You may call yourselves followers of me, but I don't know you. You may call yourselves followers Followers of me, but when's the last time you hit your knees for me? You know, you may may think who I am. You think you know who I am, but you don't. You may think you're doing your job, but you're not. Therefore, pretty much what he says is you are fired. You're fired from your jobs. And, And he says, I'm the good shepherd, you're the bad shepherds, and you're done. Because all you've cared about is keeping your 9,000 lost. And all you've, all you've cared about is is memorizing everything that you can memorize, but you don't believe it in your heart. And so look, I, I know how hard being the shepherd is. Like, there are days where it defeats you. There are days where it lifts you up. It's like a bipolar kind of thing for a moment. Like, one day everything's good, and the next day you're like, man. I want to go back to back groceries at the grocery store. <laughs> like uh, that, That's what it feels like sometimes. I, I shared with you last week that the definition of shepherd is pastor. Uh, I could stand here today and say how messed up we are, how messed up I am, how messed up uh, you are. We could talk about how lazy we are sometimes. Uh, we could talk about how easy feelings can, can get hurt and so on. But I believe God is so much more concerned not on how bad his shepherds are, but how much we wander. You know, how often this week can we say we wandered from our relationship with Jesus? Now, if you look at your life on a on a day-to-day basis, as 24 hours in a day, and you put in your head right now, how much time did I give to Jesus each day? It'll kind of make you stop in your tracks for a moment. Now, how often do I... Think about my relationship with Jesus. How often did I want to go out of my way to to share about my relationship with Jesus with somebody else? God loves his sheep and he continues to do so by holding bad shepherds accountable. Now there's many that Jesus is confronting as self-righteous shepherds and there are many hurting and broken people out there. God is serious about confronting people who have made the church about themselves and their own agenda. He'll confront those. Okay? We, don't, we don't have to worry about that. You know, I, I believe that we need to be more concerned about pastoring the people than we do about becoming a celebrity. No, he, he loves his sheep, and he's good about confronting it. So Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. These are the sheep. Now get out. And then in John chapter 10, verse 24, those religious leaders respond to what Jesus says. Can you put verse 24 on the screen for me? If you have your Bible, this is what the Bible says. Then the Jews surrounded him, and they said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are to Christ, tell us plainly. Now, we went through 20 verses last week of Jesus plainly telling them who he was, right? Like, I feel like when I read that, Jesus was pretty up front and, and, and told them who he was. But here's the thing. He's been pretty blunt with them already. And so at this point, if you know anything about Jesus' ministry, like, he's going to come in, he's going to ease himself in, he's going to be buddy-buddy, get that relationship. But if they don't listen, he's going to confront them in a different way. He does that several times throughout Scripture. He's told them over and over. Another sign of a bad shepherd is they don't listen well. They don't listen well. And so these religious leaders are telling the master communicator, the one that that created communication, that he doesn't communicate well. So Jesus says, look, I've told you, but he doesn't stop there. Verses 25 and 26, Jesus answered them and he said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. See what he does there? Like in the verse 20 verse, he's just kind of easing his way in, talking to him about how good he is, talking about what he's done. And now all of a sudden he says, I've told you this, but you did not believe because you are not of my sheep. Church, I don't know about you when I leave this world and I'm standing at the pearly gates I don't want to hear Jesus say to me I never knew you but that's pretty much what he's saying to them on earth I don't know you I don't don't know who you are I don't know your name I really don't know where you've come from and so I want you to hear this believing in God is never just about what someone says. Believing in God is never just about what someone says. When you hear from someone, it's never really about how good someone can share. Hey, uh, over the last year, can we agree that this world has turned into what we would call defense mode? Like, you can't have a three minute conversation with somebody without it getting blown up. You know, it, it's defense mode. Can can we agree that no matter what the situation may be that people or let's just to be honest let's say let's say we we put our guard up and we write somebody off because of the status of how they believe I've caught myself a couple of times you no know, like prejudgment. like you ever have you ever looked at the book cover and like you judge the book by the cover of the book like I've done that a lot. If uh, I'm not a huge reader. Uh, I do read occasionally. I'm trying to do better at that. I'm actually trying to read a book a month this year, and I'm about three months behind. Y'all pray for me. Um, I'm dealing with it. Uh, but I've read more books this month or this year than I have in probably the last two years. So I'm doing good. But, but here's the thing. If we judge the book by the cover and we never see the details inside, we never see the heart. Okay? Like, like we may write an author off, but if we don't really read the words and all we read is a title, we never really hear the author's heart. And the same thing goes in a conversation. Like you can't really get to know somebody with a minute conversation with somebody. Like it's going to take you time to unpack their life. Uh, it's going to take time. Like my story, if, if I told you, oh, well, you know, I planted a church, well, you might write that off, But if you hear the story of, of why we planted the church and how we planted the church And what we're doing here planting the church, things make a little bit more sense at that point. And you don't find that out in a two-minute conversation. Hey, now you can share your faith with somebody in two minutes. You can let them know if you're a believer or not in two minutes, but they're not going to know your life story in two minutes. Hey, they're just going to see little details. And it could be that the person you're talking to has formed an opinion in the last year, but you'll find out. For 20 years, they thought a different way, but because of one instance, they said they'll never go back. That's what I find in the church, uh, in the church role of things today. Hey, like we, we've had we've had so many people come into our church that have been hurt by the church, and, and I embrace that because I know what it's like. I, I've seen it as a child, as my dad, as a pastor. I, I've seen it growing up as being a youth pastor. And I just get to sit kind of in the background of those things. And then as a pastor, I've seen those things. But what happens is we form the opinion on church based on one experience a lot of times. And maybe that's not the right way to do it. So we have come to an agreement that that maybe we're a little defensive. But not only that, in the world today that we live in, in a time where things are so messed up, words get twisted a lot too, do they not? Like, if you think about it, we, we twist words in such a in such a way. We live in an era where we will pick up somebody else's part of their sentence, and you didn't hear the first part of the sentence. And 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 maybe it's the pastor's words. Okay, uh, maybe you heard me say. Uh, uh, an ending of a sentence, but you didn't hear the first half. Maybe you heard the first half, but you didn't hear the rebuttal at the end. If we're just honest this morning, it's never just about how something is said or articulated. And Jesus says, you can't hear me, and it's not because I'm not explaining it well. It's because you don't trust me, and you're not mine. And so here... We can just ask the question, have you, ever, have you ever just thought of someone in your life that's smart? You know, like, like man, that person's brilliant. We have, we have a child in this church, Wilmer. Wilmer is a smart kid. And all you got to do is sit down, Miss Irene, you've done a good job with Wilmer. Like, that kid blows my mind with questions that he asks. How old is Wilmer, 13? 14 years old, blows my mind with some questions that that boy asks. And I can look at Wilmer and say, man, I, I wonder if I was that smart at 14 years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I look at I look at people like, Morgan, Morgan, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. Morgan, how old are you, Morgan? 14, 14 years old must be the thing today. 14 years old, Morgan is one of the most mature 14-year-old girls I've ever met in my life. You know, and that starts at home, right? Like, That starts in the home. But but here's the thing, okay? They can say the most off-the-wall thing, and these people, we still think they're smart, (laughs) okay? Like, (laughs) and and that might be Wilmer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Have we ever met the person, I won't say names in here, but have we ever met the person that jokes so much that when they get serious, we don't know if they're serious or not? Communication... Communication is never about what you say. It is about who you are. I'll say that again. Communication is never about what you say. It is about who you are. These religious leaders here are on defense mode now. They they know they've messed up. And so they will do what they have to do to pinpoint it back on Jesus and say, Well, you haven't communicated well. You You haven't done your job very well. You haven't told us. And Jesus says, oh, yes, I have. But you didn't hear me because you don't know me. He says, if you knew me, you would hear my voice and you would recognize what I'm saying. Church, self-righteous people want to blame the explanation. But when you have a shepherd, you don't just pick apart the words. You have to know the heart. You have to know the voice. And you have to trust and know that they are carrying themselves the way God wants them to. And and if you do that, you will know that hearing is based upon being His and being a person that knows Him, a person that hears Him. And once you are His, whatever He says is brilliant. Because it's His Word and it's rooted in who He is and it's who He wants us to become. When you don't know Him, you will never hear Him. So hearing is giving to those who are his, that know him, and that follow him. And it isn't even our ability. It's all about his ability to allow us to know and to hear. We've got to know Jesus, and we've got to hear his voice. And the question is, do we know what his voice sounds like in our life today? When he is speaking to you, when he is telling you to do something, are we obedient to what he's telling us to do? There's there's three guys in here this week that's going to start a youth ministry here at our church for the very first time. It's going to start a weekly ministry. And it's all because they've heard God's voice and they said, we need to do this. And for three years, y'all, like I've been jumping up like, we need a youth ministry. Like, and we don't, Irving just came out, uh, and, we don't, <laughs> and we don't get it. <laughs> like, but it's in God's timing, right? Like it's His timing that things start. It's His timing that things get birthed. And sometimes as a shepherd, we want to birth things that God hasn't told us to birth yet. Okay? But we get passionate about it, and we see the things are happening, we're like, this is what I want to do. But really, it's not His timing. I believe this time, it is His timing. You know why? Because we've got three guys that want to lead this group, that want to love on these students. And what God says, Thomas, I'm taking your hands out of it, man. Like, I, I've grown three people up to do it for you. And I love that about ministry. I love it about me. I was so par- proud of Patrick this, this past Friday night. We were sitting at Olive Garden together, but our family, sweet. So we do life together all the time. And sitting at the dinner table. And I've been interviewing people all week long in the church for my brother's doctoral paper that he's writing. And, uh, Patrick wanted to know those, those questions. He's like, let me, let, me, let me take a stab at him. So we're talking about that. Well, not only that, but at the end of the night, Patrick just takes it upon himself and just looks at the waitress, like, you go to church? And he starts sharing the church with this lady. Like, I, told, I looked at Patrick and I said, man, three years ago you would have never done that. Thank God for the things that he is doing through our people, through the growth of our people. And, and, and I just go back to when we shepherd right and we grow right and we keep our eyes locked on what God is doing in our lives, that is when things blossom. And so, church, I just want to brag on you today. Like, I am so proud of what you are doing and how you are carrying the gospel out. We're seeing people come into the church because you are inviting people. You're intentionally going out there and saying, hey, I want you to come to my church. It's fun stuff. When all of this takes place, Jesus says something else, though. Look at verses 27 through 30. Man, I need to hurry up. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so this is what I want you to do. I know it's weird, and sometimes Pastor Thomas can be weird. I want you to look at your hands. Don't look at me. Look at your hands. And you may think, Pastor this is weird. It's probably not the weirdest thing I've done I'm going to do today. So, look at your hands. Look at what God has given to you. Look how uniquely designed your hands are that he has given you the fingerprint that identifies who you are is nobody else's fingerprint in this whole entire world. These hands that you are looking at are highlighted in the text. These hands that Jesus wants open, these hands that Jesus wants clean, these hands that Jesus shows you are worthy, you are loved, you were bought at a price. And these hands that Jesus wants you to use for his worship. And when you read John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, and you look at your hands and you realize who you are, it is a totally different story at that point. He says, No one is able to snatch them out of my hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus says, they hear me because they are mine. He says, I have them in my hand. And God has taken the Father's hands. And he's put them on top. And he says, my hands and his hands are one. He says, no one can take me because he is mine. And so we can look at this as the Trinity thing. And and I know the youth had questions about this over Bible school. Like, they're all one. But the Father reaches down His hand to Jesus' hands. And they join together. And then when Jesus leaves this earth, the Holy Spirit comes on. And we can say the Holy Spirit's hands take the earth on its shoulders. And this is the thing. Self-righteous people can't take that from you. They can't take your hand away. If you're a believer of God today, your fingerprint is there. And he gave it to you. And he gave you every little vein that's in your hand. And everything that looks differently. Nobody's handy. If If you put all the hands up in here, they may look like hands, but you get inside those hands. It's a totally different story. Jesus protects that. You see, he says you being the sheep of Jesus means that you're secure. It means you didn't come into the fold because you were smarter or you were cooler and you could understand better you didn't come into the sheepfold because you earned it and you did it with your own hands that would make this being a believer thing a good works gospel and that's not what I believe and that's not what we believe you didn't come into the fold because you were better than somebody else you didn't earn it because it's a free gift Jesus protects that gift you didn't finish it either because he completed it for you on the cross And we are in the hands of Jesus, and the Father and the Bible said they are one. And self-righteous people can't take it from you. Here's what they do to you. They try to convince you that Jesus isn't who he says he is, and therefore you are not who you really think you are. And in this passage, they spend the whole entire time trying to tell Jesus that he is not God and that they're trying to separate them out. Jesus looks them in the eyes and said, you didn't give it to me, and you sure can't take it away from me. And if you're not his, you're not in his hands. If you're not his, you're not in his hands. Self-righteous people want to take it away from you, but they can't because they're not in your hands. And they don't have the hands that you are holding today. And there's something you've got to understand about me as, as your pastor as well. I'm not here because I'm better than you. By any means, some of you are, are more sharpened in, in in God's word and scripture than I am. Some of you have been studying God's word for as old as I am. Hey, uh, some of you may have not completed Bible college or seminary, but you could say you got the degree because you've lived it out. And so I'm not standing here because I'm better. I'm not standing here because i uh, uh, proclaiming the word is is, is a, a smarter thing, or we know it better, anything like that, I, I'm here because I've been captured by the grace of God. I'm here today because I have been redeemed, that God has saved me, that God has forgave me, and that he's using me to live it out. This was not my first choice of career. Okay, Let's just be honest. I wanted to do anything and everything but preach. I wanted to do everything but go to seminary school. I wanted to do anything and everything but follow in what I had heard my whole life from my father. And then when my brother submitted to the ministry, I sure didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to do it. It's what God has designed me to do and what he has made me for. And so he moved my mind and moved my brain in that way. It's not the brain that I wanted to end up with, but it's the brain that I live with, and I'm okay with it because I'm his. And you've got to be okay with who you are. Some of you, God is working in your heart right now. And you've got to answer to that call. Some of you right now are going through the most hardest years of your life, but it is okay because God's got you. And He's got you in His hands because your hands are His hands. Your hands are right there with Him. He's given it to you. He's given us the gospel in our hands. Hey, And it's not that we can perform these miraculous works from his hands. He can do it through us. But at the same time. Because we are his. And he is mine. I can do things through Christ who strengthens me. And we've got to believe that today. I, I wish we had more time today. <laughs> like, um, I, I encourage you to study verses 32 through 38. What I'm going to do is drop down some more. There's some more dialogue from Jesus. And he's answering these religious leaders. And, and Jesus continues to tell them who he is. There's so much more we can unpack. Could, could probably have a whole nother sermon on just those verses. Jesus did not run when they picked up the stones. In, in chapter 8, they picked up stones and Jesus ran. And, and the reason Jesus didn't run is because he keeps repeating it to them. You can't take my life because I'm giving it. And so all of that's happening in those six verses. Instead, Jesus goes and asks a question. Why are you about to throw stones at me? Why are you about to do this? And they say, well... You haven't done anything, you're just blasphemous. You haven't done anything wrong, but you're you're not the Jesus that you say you are. And Jesus responds, here's what scripture says. And the self-righteous argument always overlooks the inconsistencies and it points out what they think is blasphemy. They never look at the log in their own eyes. They're always looking at the speck in other eyes. And Jesus just calls it like it is. And he's like, look at your, your, your inconsistencies. Like, look at yourself. Listen, this self-righteousness makes you blind to your own log. And it makes you very aware to their specs. because you have to see their speck to be okay with yourself. Let me say that again. Self-righteousness makes you blind to your own log that's in your eye. And it makes you very aware to their specs because you have to see the speck to be okay with what you're doing with yourself. I want you to look at those hands again. While, while you're looking at those hands, put verse 39 on the screen for me. Verse 39 says, Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. Here's Jesus telling them what he does with his hands with his sheep while he is escaping their hands as they seek to go after him and kill him. And the reason that I want us to look at these hands, I've looked a lot at my hands today, or this week too, I want you to ponder whose hands do you trust for righteousness? Whose hands do you trust for your righteousness? Whose hands do you trust? Do you trust your ability to climb your way up a ladder on that mountain that is in front of you? Do you trust yourself in that? To understand, to really get while everyone else doesn't. Do do you trust yourself in your hands and the works of your hands? Or do you know that if you have to trust these hands, that you would be like the religious leaders And you would try to kill the Savior of the world. Jesus escapes the hands of these self-righteous people, but he rests in the hands of the Father. And I pray today that we can say that today, that we rest in the hands of the Father. You know, I I think about my obituary a lot. I know it's weird. Uh, I'm going to write my own obituary. But this is what I want. But I, I want my obituary to say Donald Thomas McDonald died, don't make fun of my name, died such and such date, and now he rests in the arms of the Father. Like, do we strive for that? Do we do we go on a day to day basis and not fear death? Like I, I don't fear death at all. You don't have to worry about me if I go. Um, because I know where I'm heading. And, and I guess that's why I'm just so okay with it. But do you go day to day, scared about what might happen next, or do you go day to day and say, God, I'm going to live my life out. And if I die, I want to know that I did it all for you. you no, know, there there's people out there. Norman, Norman does the uh, the lostness, the pray for the lostness, the, the those people groups every every week. You know, I, we've got a good life compared to those people. And you think about countries around this world, like we, we live a good life compared to what some people have to go through. And the disciples, the death that they died to be the disciple of Jesus was a very gruesome one for most of them. Like, it could be a lot worse. When I think about all of this imagery that we're talking about today and shown through this text, I told you John puts it out in a different way. I think about how often people in this world are trusting their hands and they continue to trust their ability. And I've heard a lot of boasting and self and praising self because we don't hear right or explain it right or believe it right or have the right thing. And the whole reason that we struggle is because we don't have it right. And it's if that's you, it's because you don't know your Lord and Savior. If you don't have it right, and you're trying to live life on your own, and you think that you can get somewhere, God's gonna, he might allow you to get a little a little step in front of you. He, he might allow you some. But eventually, if you're his, he's gonna jerk you back. And if you're wandering today, you need to come home. You need to come home now. If you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, you need to start doing it right. And for doing things that we shouldn't be doing as a church, I pray God snatches us back in a heartbeat and He gives us a self-checkup hard. But I think because we are so centered, we try our very best to be centered upon God's Word and be centered upon His will. That He's got us on the right track. We just have to continue to We've got to listen to the good shepherd. Don't don't always listen to me. <laughs> I mess people up, okay? Um, but if I trust God, and trust God for clear mind and clear heart, then you're going to see God through me as your shepherd. The only reason why I can rest is because I know I am in his hands. He has captured me. He has secured me. He has given me an ability to hear and to listen. And it's kind of a weird thing. And the only only reason I don't worry myself to death with Cross Life Church anymore, I used to, some of you on, on the early days, you know I worried myself. Jeanette was part of that. rosalie has been part of that. Britt and Cindy's probably been a little part of that. Like John and Kathy, y'all, y'all knew on the first couple of months that you got to know me, like I worried myself to death over Cross Life Church. But I rest with Cross Life Church now. The reason why I don't rest now is because I'm too excited about the things going on at Cross Life Church. You know, but I know that Cross Life is in His hands. And there isn't a decision that leaves this place without going into His hands first. Instead of being ready to throw stones, people has got to put stones down and trust the hands of the Good Shepherd because His name is Jesus and He knows my name. And you're not just a number. You are a name to him. He knows who you are and nothing can separate you from him if you are a believer today. And he knows he's going to lay his life down for his sheep. That's what he says in these verses. Rest in his hands. And the question today is, are we resting in his hands or are we escaping from yours? Psalm 63.8 says this, I cling to you and your hands keep me safe. David's being attacked by enemies and self-righteous people and in the middle of Psalm 63 he says, "I cling to you. I cling to my God. we've got to dig our nails into Christ. We need to cling to Jesus the one that keeps us going and it isn't built on our ability to cling. And while I'm clinging to him, he's clinging to me. And while I'm holding you, you're holding me, he says. And church, while your pastor strives to cling to you, I'm asking you to cling to us. Cling to my family. Cling to the church. Trust his voice. Trust his hand. And as he reaches out his hand, trust him and cling to him because there's going to be some crazy things happen here at Cross Life in the next couple of years. But we've got to trust that he knows what he's doing. I think about it all the time. God knew exactly what he was doing when he moved and relocated this church to Salisbury. If you think back to that Spencer building, I don't know about, Sometimes I miss the education space in that building uh, for the kids. But other than that, like, when God did it, we said greater things are to be done. And we made that the motto from day one when we moved here. We said this is what's going to happen. And I told you to be ready. Like, I, I remember saying in our, in our family meeting that day, you better be ready or you might have to catch up because it's going to happen quick. And Tiffany asked me a question about a week ago, and she said, Thomas, did you think it was going to happen this quick? I said, no, are you crazy? <laughs> like, uh, never in my life did I think six months after we moved locations that we, we would be complaining about space. Bible school was real, y'all. Like, you put 115 people on this campus, we got a problem. (laughs) It's a good problem. Never in my life did I think I'd go into a meeting and hear people talk about, we're going to have to construct a new building one day. Never did I think three months after we got here, we would be talking about at what point do we need to offer a second worship service. At what point do we need to think about expansion? At what point do we need to think about projects and so on and so forth? Never did we think, leadership team, never in a million years. What it says, six months after we move, this is the problem we're going to have. But God knew. And God knew what he was doing as he sent one family, one by one by one to link arms with the church. And it's like every family that has walked into our family here have fit right in and they link perfectly with us. God knows what He's doing. And you know why? It's because we rest in the arms of the Father. And I pray today that you rest in the arms of the Father. That every decision personally that you make, every decision that the church makes, every decision that your spouse makes, your kid makes, cling to Him. Pray that they rest in the arms of the Father. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you so much for the gospel of John chapter 10. Lord, what a powerful chapter. God, you are the good shepherd. And we know right now, Lord, that as we look at our hands, that you have created us in such a miraculous way. God, and nobody else on this earth, only only God could do that. That everybody is different. That my fingerprint is the only fingerprint that looks like that. That my fingerprint identifies who I am. But Lord, I pray my fingerprint identifies who I am in you. And Lord, today I, I just pray that if there is one person wandering from the truth, that you would get a grip of their heart. In this service Lord that we understand that we can't do life without you God there may be days where we try to do it without you but Lord on those days I pray you'll snatch us right back Lord I I pray that you keep us checked up I pray that, that we would only lead by your conviction by your leadership by your spirit God that we would be in one mind and one accord and understand that we're one voice Lord, right here on this earth, I pray that Cross Life Church will be a beacon of light in this community like they've never seen before. Lord, right here in this Oakland Heights community, we know that there are people wandering from you. There are people without a relationship with you, and God, help us by reaching them. Lord, we know that as school goes back into session, there are teachers, there are There are schools that need a gospel presence. God, would you allow us to do that? Lord, I pray specifically this week for our student ministries. Lord, I pray as these youth come together with these teachers, these leaders, that you would use them, God, to speak life into these kids. God, that this wouldn't just be a weekly meeting, but God, this would be a weekly revival that they come to. God, as they hear the word, Lord, help them respond. As they teach the word, Lord, help them prepare in a way that they've never prepared before. Bring light to the scripture like they've never seen before. Lord, as we close our service and we sing the song of in Christ alone, I pray we can say that in Christ alone I place my trust in you. All these things we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Praise to if y'all come on up. In Christ alone is going to be our closing song today. If you need to respond, you come. I'm here to talk to you. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, we're here to talk. If you don't want to come, use this altar to pray for something you're going through on your own. You come. In Christ alone. Y'all sing with us. Amen.